2: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. Bridge Crossing by Dave Dreyfus He knew the city was organized for his individual defense, for it had been that way since he was born. But who was his enemy? in eighteen forty nine the mist that sometimes rolled through the golden gate was known as fog in twenty one forty nine it had become far more frequent and was known as smog by twenty three forty nine it was fog again but tonight there was smoke mixed with the fog roddy could smell it somewhere in the forested ruins fire was burning he wasn't worried the small blaze that smouldered behind him on the cracked concrete floor had consumed everything burnable within blocks what remained of the gutted concrete office building from which he peered was fireproof but roddy was himself aflame with anger as always when invaders broke in from the north he'd been left behind with his nurse molly while the soldiers went out to fight and nowadays molly's presence "'wasn't the comfort it used to be.' "'He felt almost ready to jump out of his skin, "'the way she rocked and knitted in that grating ruined chair, "'saying over and over again, "'The soldiers don't want little boys. "'The soldiers don't want little boys. "'The soldiers don't. "'I'm not a little boy,' Roddy suddenly shouted. "'I'm full-grown, and I've never even seen an invader. "'Why won't you let me go and fight?' Fiercely, he crossed the bare, gritty floor and shook Molly's shoulder. She rattled under his jarring hand and abruptly changed the subject. A is for atom, B is for bomb, C is for corpse. she chanted. Roddy reached into her shapeless dress and pinched. Lately, that had helped her over these spells, but this time, though it stopped the kindergarten song, the treatment only started something worse was em hungry molly cooed still rocking utterly disgusted roddy ripped her head off her neck it was a completely futile gesture the complicated mind that had cared for him and taught him speech and the alphabet hadn't made him a mechanic and his only tool was a broken-handled screwdriver he was still tinkering when the soldiers came in while they lined up along the wall he put molly's head back on her neck she gaped coyingly at the new arrivals hello boys she simpered. looking for a good time roddy slapped her to silence reflecting briefly that there were many things he didn't know about molly but there was work to be done carefully he framed the ritual words she taught him soldiers come to attention and report there were eleven of them six feet tall with four limbs and eight extremities they stood uniformly the thumbs on each pair of hands touching along the center line of the legs front feet turned out at an angle of forty-five degrees rear feet turned inward at thirty degrees sir they chorused we have met the enemy and he is ours he inspected them all were scratched and dented but one in particular seemed badly damaged his left arm was almost severed at the shoulder come here fellow roddy said "'Let's see if I can fix that.' "'The soldier took a step forward, lurched suddenly, stopped, and whipped out a bayonet. "'Death to invaders!' he yelled, and charged crazily. "'Molly stepped in front of him. "'You aren't being very nice to my baby,' she murmured, and thrust her knitting needles into his eyes. "'Roddy jumped behind him, knocked off his helmet, and pressed a soft spot on his conical skull.' the soldier collapsed to the floor roddy salvaged and returned Molly's needles then he examined the patient tearing him apart as a boy dismembers an alarm clock it was lucky he did the left arm's pair of hands suddenly writhed off the floor in an effort to choke him but because the arm was detached at the shoulder and therefore blind he escaped the clutching onslaught and could go the reflexing hands into assaulting one another harmlessly meanwhile the other soldiers left except for one apparently another casualty who stumbled on his way out and fell into the fire by the time roddy had hauled him clear damage was beyond repair roddy swore then decided to try combining parts of his casualty with pieces of the other to make a whole one to get more light for the operation he poked up the fire roddy was new at his work and took it seriously it alarmed him to watch the soldiers melt away gradually succumbing to battle damage chained him to see the empty ruins burned section by section as the invaders repeatedly broke through and had to be burned out soon there would be nothing left of the private property keep out that according to molly's bedtime story the owners had entrusted to them when driven away by radioactivity soon the soldiers themselves would be gone none would remain to guard the city but a few strayed servants like molly and an occasional civil defender and himself body reflected spitting savagely into the fire he might remain but how he fitted into the picture he didn't know and molly who claimed to have found him in the ruins after a fight with invaders twenty years before couldn't or wouldn't say well for as long as possible roddy decided he'd do his duty as the others did theirs single-mindedly eventually the soldiers might accept him as one of themselves meanwhile this newly attempted first aid was useful to them he gave the fire a final poke and then paused wondering if when heated his screwdriver could make an unfastened end of wire stick on the grayish spot where it seemed to belong Stretching prone to blow the embers hot so he could try out his new idea, Roddy got too close to the flames. Instantly, the room filled with a stench of singed hair. Roddy drew angrily back, beating out the sparks in his uncut blonde mane. As he stood slapping his head and muttering, a deranged civil defense firefighter popped into the doorway and covered him with carbon dioxide foam. Roddy fled his lifelong friends were not merely wearing out they were unbearably wearing in the street even before he'd wiped off the foam he regretted his flight the fire was back home and here in the cold of this fog shrouded canyon a mere trail between heaped-up walls of rubble the diaper he wore felt inadequate against the pre-dawn cold his cherished weapon a magnetic tack hammer was chilled beneath the typer's top and the broken radium dialed wrist watch suspended from a string around his neck hung clammy against his chest he stood irresolute unnumbing bare feet and considered returning to the more familiar bedlam but colder than cold was his shame at being cold molly never was though she knew how to keep him warm nor were the others hunger thirst pain and coldness were sensations never experienced by his friends like the growth he'd been undergoing till recently these were things of ignominy to be hidden as far as possible from inquiring eyes cold as it was he'd have to hide temporarily the darkness concealed him though it was not quite complete from above the fog the moon played vaguely deceptive light on the splinters of architecture looming toward it some distance off an owl hooted but here nocturnal rodents felt free to squeak and rustle as they scampered the world seemed ghostly yet it wasn't dead it merely lurked and as an irrepressible yawn reminded roddy of his absurd need for sleep even in the midst of danger he concluded for the thousandth time that the one who'd built him must have been an apprentice For just such reasons, he developed the hideout toward which he now walked. It had been the haven of his adolescence, when the discovery of how much he differed from his friends had been a shock, and the shock itself a difference to be hidden. His hiding-place was a manhole, dead center in the dead street. A weathered bronze bar, carefully placed in the cover's slotted rim, was the levering key that opened its door everything was wrong to-night he couldn't even find the bar of course that spoiled things because the bar was a roller on which to move the heavy cover from below and a support that held it ajar for ventilation but the example of his friends had taught him above all else to carry out every purpose molly was a nurse she had raised him despite all obstacles the soldiers were guards they protected the ruins against everything larger than a rat the firefighter had put even him out when he was aflame anyhow the manhole cover had been loosened by his frequent handling he lifted it aside by main strength then flattened himself to the street and felt with his feet for the top rung halfway down the iron ladder something made him pause he looked but saw only blackness he listened sniffed found nothing what could have entered through the iron cover he sneered at his own timidity and jumped to the bottom it was warm the dry bottom of the hole had the temperature of body heat as if a large animal had recently rested there quickly roddy drew the hammer from his waist then with weapon ready for an instantaneous blow he stretched his left hand through the darkness he touched something warm softish Gingerly, he felt over that curving surface for identifying features. While Roddy investigated by touch, his long fingers were suddenly seized and bitten. At the same time, his right shin received a savage kick, and his own retaliatory blow was checked in mid-swing by an unexpected voice. "'Get your filthy hands off me!' it whispered angrily. "'Who do you think you are?' startled he dropped his hammer i'm roddy he said squatting to fumble for it who do you think you are i'm ida naturally just how many girls are there in this raiding party his first invader and he had dropped his weapon scrambling fearfully in the dust for his hammer roddy paused suddenly this girl whatever that was seemed to think him one of her own kind there was a chance not much but worth taking to turn delay to advantage maybe he could learn something of value before he killed her that would make the soldiers accept him he stalled seeking a gambit how would i know how many girls there are half expecting a blow he got instead an apology i'm sorry the girl said i should have known never even heard your name before either roddy whose boat did you come in, Roddy? Boat? What was a boat? How would I know, he repeated, voice tight with fear of discovery. If she noticed the tension, she didn't show it. Certainly her whisper was friendly enough. Oh, you're one of the fellows from Bodega, then. They shoved a boy into our boat at the last minute, too. Tough, wasn't it? getting separated in the fog and tied like that if only we didn't have to use bones but say how are we going to get away from here i wouldn't know roddy said closing his fingers on the hammer and rising how did you get in followed your footprints it was sundown and i saw human tracks in the dust, and they led me here where were you scouting around roddy said vaguely how did you know i was a man when i came back "'Because you couldn't see me, silly. "'You know perfectly well these androids are heat-sensitive "'and can locate us in the dark.' "'Indeed, he did know. "'Many times he'd felt ashamed that Molly could find him "'whenever she wanted to, even here in the manhole. "'But perhaps the manhole would help him now to redeem himself. "'I'd like to get a look at you,' he said. "'The girl laughed self-consciously. "'It's getting gray out.' "'You'll see me soon enough.' "'But she'd see him,' Roddy realized. He had to talk fast. "'What'll we do when it's light?' he asked. "'Well, I guess the boats have gone,' Ida said. "'You could swim the gate, I guess. "'You seem tall and strong enough. "'But I couldn't. "'You'll think it's crazy, but I've given this some thought, "'and even looked it over from the other side. "'I expect to try the Golden Gate Bridge.' now he was getting somewhere the bridge was ruined impassable even her own people had crossed the strait by other means but if there were a way over the bridge it's broken he said how in the world can we cross it oh well, you'll find out if you take me up there i-i don't want to be alone roddy will you go with me now well she could be made to point out the route before he killed her if Nothing happened when she saw him. Uneasy, Roddy hefted the hammer in his hand. A giggle broke the pause. It's nice of you to wait and let me go first up the ladder, the girl said. But where the heck is the rusty old thing? I'll go first, said Roddy. He might need the advantage. The ladder's right behind me he climbed with hammer and teeth and stretched his left hand from street level to grasp and neutralize the girl's right then nervously fingering his weapon he stared at her in the thin gray dawn she was short and lean except for roundnesses here and there from her shapeless doeskin dress stretched slender legs that tapered to feet that were bare tiny and like her hands only two in number roddy was pleased they were evenly matched as to members and that would make things easy when the time came he looked into her face it smiled at him tanned and ruddy with a full mouth and bright dark eyes that hid under long lashes when he looked too long startling those wary eyes concealing for a moment he felt a rush of fear but she gave his hand a squeeze before twisting loose and burst into sudden laughter Diapers, she chortled, struggling to keep her voice low. My big, strong, blonde, and blue-eyed hero goes into battle wearing diapers.
1: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you.
0: From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com/Wondersuite.
2: And carrying only a hammer to fight with, you're the most unforgettable character I have ever known. He'd passed inspection then, so far he expelled his withheld breath and said i think you'll find me a little odd in some ways oh not at all ida replied quickly different yes but i wouldn't say odd when they started down the street she was nervous despite roddy's assertion that he knew where the soldiers were posted he wondered if she felt some of the doubt he'd tried to conceal shared his visions of what the soldiers might do if they found him brazenly strolling with an invader they might not believe he was only questioning a prisoner every day his friends were becoming more unpredictable for that very reason because he didn't know what precautions would do any good he took a chance and walked openly to the bridge by the most direct route in time This apparent assurance stilled Ida's fears, and she began to talk. Many of the things she said were beyond his experience and meaningless to him, but he did note with interest how effective the soldiers had been. It's awful, Ida said. So few young men are left, so many casualties. But why do you, we, keep up the fight? Roddy asked. I mean, the soldiers will never leave the city. Their purpose is to guard it and they can't leave so they won't attack let them alone and there'll be plenty of young men well said ida sharply you need indoctrination didn't they ever tell you that the city is our home even if the stupid androids do keep us out don't you know how dependent we are on these raids for all our tools and things she sounded suspicious roddy shot her a furtive startled glance but she wasn't standing off to fight him. On the contrary, she was too close for both comfort and combat. She bumped him hip and shoulder every few steps, and if he edged away, she followed. He went on with his questioning. Why are you here? I mean, sure, the others are after tools and things, but what's your purpose? Ida shrugged. I'll admit no girl has ever done it before she said, but I thought I could help with the wounded. That's why I have no weapon. She hesitated, glanced covertly up at him, and went on with a rush of words. "'It's the lack of men, I guess. All the girls are kind of bored and hopeless, so I got this bright idea and stowed away on one of the boats when it was dark and the fog had settled down. Do you think I was being silly?' "'No, but you do seem a little purposeless.' in silence they trudged through a vast area of charred wood and concrete foundations on the northern end of the city thick fog over the water hid alcatraz but inshore visibility was better and they could see the beginning of the bridge approach a stone rattled nearby. there was a clink of metal ida gasped and clung to roddy's arm behind me he whispered urgently get behind me and hold on He felt Ida's arms encircling his waist, her chin digging into his back below the left shoulder. Facing them, a hundred feet away, stood a soldier. He looked contemptuous, hostile. It's all right, Roddy said, his voice breaking. There was a long, sullen, heart-stopping stare. Then the soldier turned and walked away. Ida's grip loosened, and he could feel her sag behind him. Roddy turned and held her with eyes closed she pressed cold blue lips to his he grimaced and turned away his head ida's response was quick forgive me she breathed and slipped from his arms but she held herself erect i was so scared and then we've had no sleep no food or water roddy was familiar with these signs of weakness proud of appearing to deny his own humiliating needs i guess you're not as strong as me he said smugly i'll take care of you of course we can't sleep now but i'll get food and water leaving her to follow he turned left to the ruins of a supermarket he had previously visited demonstrating his superior strength by setting a pace ida couldn't match by the time she caught up with him he had grubbed out a few cans of the special size that molly always chose picking two that were neither dented swollen nor rusted he smashed an end of each with his hammer and gave ida her choice of strained spinach or squash baby food she muttered maybe it's just what we need but to eat baby food with a man wearing a diaper tell me roddy how did you happen to know where to find it well this is the northern end of the city he answered shrugging i've been here before why did the soldier let us go this watch he said touching the radium dial it's a talisman." but ida's eyes had widened and the color was gone from her face she was silent too except when asking him to fill his vast empty can with rainwater she didn't finish her own portion but lay back in the rubble with feet hotter than her head obviously trying to renew her strength and when they resumed their walk her sullen fear-clouded face showed plainly that he'd given himself away but to kill her now before learning how she planned to cross the supposedly impassable bridge seemed as purposeless and impulsive as ida herself roddy didn't think in any case that her death would satisfy the soldiers with new and useful information to offer he might join them as an equal at last but if his dalliance with this enemy seemed pointless not even molly's knitting needles could protect him he was sure the soldiers must be tracking the mysterious emanations of his watch dial and had trouble to keep from glancing over his shoulder at every step but arrival at the bridge approach ended the need for this self-restraint here difficult going demanded full attention he'd never gone as far as the bridge before not having wanted to look as if he might be leaving the city. The approach was a jungle of concrete with an underbrush of reinforcing steel that reached for the unwary with rusted spines. Frequently they had to balance on cracked girders and inch over roadless spots high off the ground. Here Ida took the lead. When they got to where three approach roads made a cloverleaf, She led him down a side road and into a forest. Roddy stopped and seized her arm. "'What are you trying to do?' he demanded. "'I'm taking you with me,' Ida said firmly. "'Taking you where you belong.' "'No,' he blurted, drawing his hammer. "'I can't go, nor let you go. "'I belong here.' Ida gasped, twisted loose, and ran. Roddy ran after her. She wasn't so easily caught. Like a frightened doe, she dashed in and out among the trees, leapt to the bridge's underpinnings where they thrust rustically from a cliff and scrambled up the ramp. Roddy sighed and slowed down. The pavement ended just beyond the cable anchors. From there to the south tower, only an occasional dangling support wire showed where the actual bridge had been suspended. Ida was trapped. He could take his time, let the soldiers come up, as they undoubtedly would to finish the job but ida didn't seem to realize she was trapped without hesitation she dashed up the main left-hand suspension cable and ran along its curved steel surface for a moment roddy thought of letting her go letting her run up the ever-steepening catenary until because there were no guard ropes or hand grips she simply fell that would solve his problem except it wouldn't be his solution her death wouldn't prove him to his friends he set out quickly before ida was lost to sight in the thick fog that billowed in straight from the ocean at first he ran erect along the top of the yard-wide cylinder of twisted metal but soon the curve steepened he had to go on all fours clinging palm and sole blood was on the cable where she passed More blood stained it when he'd followed, but because his friends knew neither pain nor fatigue, Roddy would admit none either, nor would he give in to the fear that dizzled him at every downward look. He scrambled on like an automaton, watching only his holds, till he rammed Ida's rear with his head. She had stopped, trembling and gasping. Roddy clung just below her and looked dazedly around. There was nothing in sight but fog, pierced by the rapier of rusted wire supporting them. Neither end of it was in sight. Upward lay success, if death were not nearer on the cable. No soldier had ever come even this far, for soldiers, as he told Ida, never left the city, were not built to do so. But he was here. With luck, he could capitalize on the differences that had plagued him so long. "'Go on!' he ordered hoarsely, move. There was neither answer nor result. He broke off an end of loosened wire and jabbed her rear. Ida gasped and crawled on. Up and up they went, chilled, wet, bleeding, pain-racked, exhausted. Never had Roddy felt so thoroughly the defects of his peculiar, non-mechanical construction. Without realizing it, he acquired a new purpose— a duty as compelling as that of any soldier or fire-watcher he had to keep that trembling body of his alive mount to the tall rust tower overhead he climbed and he made ida climb till at nightmare's end the fog thinned and they came into clear wind-swept air and clawed up the last hundred feet to sanctuary they were completely spent without word or thought they crept within the tower huddled together for warmth on its dank steel deck and slept for several hours roddy awoke as ida finished struggling free of his unconscious grip limping he joined her painful walk around the tower from its openings they looked out on a strange and isolated world to the north where ida seemed drawn as though by instinct mount tamalpais reared its brushy head a looming island above a billowy white sea of fog. To the south were the twin peaks, a pair of buttons on a cotton sheet. Eastward lay Mount Diablo, bald and brooding, tallest of the peaks and most forbidding. But westward over the ocean lay the land of gold, of all the kinds of gold there are, from brightest yellow to deepest orange. Only a small portion of the setting sun glared above the fog-bank the rest seemed to have been broken off and smeared around by a child in love with its color fascinated roddy stared for minutes but turned when ida showed no interest she was intent on the tower itself following her eyes roddy saw his duty made suddenly clear easy to make out even in the fading light was the route by which invaders could cross to the foot of this tower on the remaining ruins of the road climb to where he now stood and then descend the cable over the bridge's gap and catch the city unaware easy to estimate was the advantage of even this perilous route over things that scattered on the water and prevented a landing in strength easy to see was the need to kill ida before she carried home this knowledge roddy took the hammer from his waist don't oh don't ida screamed She burst into tears and covered her face with scratched and bloodied hands. Surprised, Roddy withheld the blow. He had wept as a child, and weeping, had for the first time learned he differed from his friends. Ida's tears disturbed him, bringing unhappy memories. "'Why should you cry?' he asked comfortingly. "'You know your people will come back to avenge you and will destroy my friends.' "'But—' But my people are your people too, Ida wailed. It's so senseless now after all our struggle to escape. Don't you see your friends are only machines built by our ancestors. We are men and the city is ours, not theirs. It can't be, Roddy objected. The city surely belongs to those who are superior and my friends are superior to your people, even to me. Each of us has a purpose though while you invaders seem to be aimless each of us helps preserve the city you only try to rob and end it by destroying it my people must be the true men because they are so much more rational than yours and it isn't rational to let you escape ida had turned up her tear-streaked face to stare at him rational what's rational about murdering a defenseless girl in cold blood don't you realize we're the same sort of being we two don't don't you remember how we've been with each other all day she paused roddy noticed that her eyes were dark and frightened yet somehow soft over scarlet cheeks he had to look away but he said nothing never mind ida said viciously you can't make me beg go ahead and kill see if it proves you're superior my people will take over the city regardless of you and me and regardless of your jumping-jack friends too men can accomplish anything scornfully she turned and looked toward the western twilight it was roddy's turn to stand and stare purpose ida flung at him over her shoulder logic women hear so much of that from men you're a man all right men always call it logic when they want to destroy loyalty to your own sort kindness affection all emotional aren't they not a bit logical emotion is for creating and it's so much more logical to destroy isn't it she whirled back toward him advancing as if she wanted to sink her teeth into his throat go ahead get it over with if you have the courage it was hard for roddy to look away from that wrath crimson face but it was even harder to keep staring into the blaze of her eyes. He compromised by gazing out and opening at the gathering dusk. He thought for a long time before he decided to tuck his hammer away. It isn't reasonable to kill you now, he said. Too dark. You can't possibly get down that half-ruined manway tonight, so let's see how I feel in the morning. Ida began to weep again and roddy found it necessary to comfort her and by morning he knew he was a man end of bridge crossing by dave Dreyfus.